Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. I'm your host, Hannah Sampson. Here at Skift, we talk a lot about travel trends, but once a year, we go even bigger with our Mega Trends package. That's our big, wide ranging forecast for the coming year in travel, which you can find online at skift.com slash megatrends. And you can also hear some highlights on today's episode of the Skift podcast. We're bringing you the audio from our annual Mega Trends event held in January at a WeWork space in Manhattan. Skift founder and CEO Rafat Ali and co-founder and editor-in-chief Jason Clampett went through nine of our 15 megatrends and touched on topics including how low-cost airlines are changing the transatlantic game, the festivalization of meetings and events, and the return of humanity to travel. Yes, sometimes a megatrend doubles as a mega wish. Just a note that because this was a live event, there may be a couple of technical glitches with the audio. We promise they don't last long. And we'd like to thank our Megatrends 2017 sponsors, MasterCard, Your Life, Smartling, Allianz, American Express, Four Seasons, and Hostel World. Here are Rafit and Jason. Welcome everyone to Skift Megatrends 2017. My name is Rafat. My name is Jason. The topic today, travel megatrends for 2017. This is our fifth calendar year of existence. Skift has been in existence since 2012. We've been doing this megatrends event for the last four years. Uh, every year at the start of the year, we release the travel megatrends 2013. We did for the first year, 2014, 2015, 2016, and now 2017. For the last two years, we've been doing this as a print magazine as well. And this is our third year of doing it as a print magazine. So most of you, I think, have the print magazine with you. This is the first time we're unveiling it. This is the official launch of the magazine, the official launch of Megatrends. And if you don't have a copy, uh, I think we have copies back there somewhere, but also somewhere here as well. Uh, and you'll get a um, copy of it as well. So why do we do these Megatrends? So Megatrends is our hundreds and hundreds of hours of work every year thousands of hours maybe, uh, of talking to people like you in the travel industry as well as talking to the, uh, to the travelers as well through focus groups, through online surveys. And our megatrends are essentially connecting the dots across all of what we do over the last year and, and forecast what's happening over the next year. So essentially that's what megatrends is for us. Um, some of these megatrends that you'll see, they're thoughtful. Some of them are, are more lighthearted, but they give you a a great overall view of what's coming for the next year. Uh, if you want a digital copy of the, of the magazine, it's actually live right now, skiff.com slash megatrends if you want to share it on social. Uh, just remember to use the hashtag skifftrends. That's the hashtag for this event. That's the hashtag for, for the megatrends. Uh, before we jump right in, I do want to thank my sponsors. I know uh, you already mentioned. These are our sponsors for the Megatrend magazine, the event, and the Megatrends um, content that's going to come through the year. Uh, again, I want to thank American Express, Allianz, for Seasons, Hostel World, Smartling, Your Life, and MasterCard for making this possible. These are all sponsors that are very much aligned towards the future of travel. So let's jump into it. Um, there's, these are some of the big themes that we are looking in 2017. In an age where neo-isolationism is rising around the world, including here in the U.S., 
uh, and a lot of other larger changes are happening in the world. There, uh, that is happening on one end. On the other end, there are a few destinations that are seeing a lots of tourists, Portugal, Barcelona, others, Iceland as well. Uh, so that's happening. Then there's also on the tech side, uh, AI and voice search is finally becoming a reality. Voice search has the potential to change how we book all of us. Uh, then there's obviously the larger platform battles of Facebook and Google, which also reflect big in travel. So we're also following a lot of that. Um, hospitality industry is moving beyond some of the big mergers that have already happened and is now looking at what are the new products and new services they can launch for the new generation of consumers. Uh, then uh, what else am I missing? Dining. Um, food and dining is becoming the center of travel in so many ways, and we're going to talk about it later as well. And then um, humanity, which is... Um, Human empathy is making a comeback in travel. At least we would like for it to make, to make a comeback in travel. Which takes us to our first megatrend. That was the segue. For, for the last four years, we always start with a flagship megatrend. And this is our flagship megatrend for this year. Humanity. It's, it's, it's probably one of the simplest megatrends you can think of, but it has a deep, deep, deep implications in travel. So... Uh, back in 2014, we coined this term called the rise of the silent traveler. I don't know how many of you remember if you have been following it since then. Uh, silent traveler is a term that we coined that essentially meant the generation of consumers that are mobile first, that are using the mobile tools, mobile and online tools to essentially get do the work that humans used to do in hospitality. They, they are doing it themselves. These are people who don't like to be handheld. They're self-directed for most part. Uh, and we looked deeply into the habits of the silent traveler. Um, if you queue three years later from 2014 to 2017, you can see the extreme effects of a digital-led life, not just in travel, but everywhere, which is essentially this pervasive tyranny of distraction, which is there for all of us at this point, um, and how that's affecting all parts of the world, but especially so shows up in travel in so many ways. So um, also last year in summer 2016, we did a deep dive into, we went from silent traveler in 2014 to super travelers in 2016. We did a focus group, we did online surveys, we did face-to-face um, -face interviews with what we call super travelers, essentially highly connected travelers that are very early adopters in all kinds of ways. And one of the biggest things that they said to us, these are people that have all tech at their disposal. One of the biggest things that they, that one of the biggest learnings that came out of it was essentially that they want humans back in travel, the human empathy back in travel. So, um, which essentially, um, one of the lines that we coined is human scale is the new scale. And in many ways, um, I think that uh, we think that Travel brands have given uh, have not done a great job at training the next generation of people that work in hospitality. Um, and one of the big ways that we think the future is is the right mix of smart tech that then humans, well-trained, empathetic humans use to then serve the customers. I think that's a big, big, big push that is going to happen over the next few years that are coming.
Yeah, I think one of the keys is consumers are looking for places where um, they're not just data point, but they're finding human connection there as well. And so we're seeing that with some big brands. Uh, we've seen Four Seasons um, has always done that, focused on uh, uh, personal connection as opposed to the earning of points. We see Hyatt doing that as well in hospitality. We also have seen some of the cruise lines doing that too, as they're seeking to harness big data to form better connections between the consumers uh, and the product. And so, uh, one of the things that, this is a line I'm going to read only because I like it so much. Um, in an age of digital overload, simple human spaces, great service, great food and drink will be even more relevant. The travel and hospitality industry can be a huge beneficiary of where the world is culturally right now, and it should double down. So, essentially, the world, we think, is in a place where, in all this larger conversations happening in the world, human empathy uh, is something that travel industry should look at again and not just chase, te chase tech for the sake of chasing tech. Um, before we move on, I do want to thank Your Life, who's the sponsor of our flagship Megatrend. Your Life is a very interesting new company that's essentially merging your guests' user-generated content with Hollywood-style production to create these video memories that then these um, travelers can share. So, and I think that they're they're, they're at the cusp of the right mix of human. Uh, the second megatrend that we're looking at is um, voice search. So artificial intelligence is, is certainly the buzzword for this year. By the way, VR is last year's buzzword. So this year's AI. Um, and the immediate manifestation of AI in travel at this point, we think is voice search, essentially. And voice search, we think, has the ability to change online booking in a dramatic way. So earlier last year at the Skift Global Forum, um, the CEO of Expedia, Dara, I asked him a question on stage uh, about if he were to leave, leave Expedia today and to start a new company, essentially to, to kill Expedia or Priceline, what would he work on? And actually gave a real answer to it. He said that... Um, incremental changes won't work. So if I were to focus something, I would focus very much on voice search, which is a completely different way of interacting. And um, for the last 20 years since online travel came, uh, online travel has essentially made people used to that search box that you see for the last 20 years. We're trapped inside that box for the last 20 years, even with mobile. And voice search, for the first time, has the ability to break out of that box in so many ways. And uh, we think that uh, a lot of new social interactions and, and potentially opportunities for, uh, for social booking come into play uh, with voice search becoming a reality and booking through voice search becoming a reality. The other um, scary part for OTAs potentially, even for brands, is that in a voice search environment, potentially searches become unbranded. So or there are new types of brands that emerge, Alexa for Amazon, Google Home for Google. And you're not gonna say Expedia, if you're using Amazon, you're not gonna say Expedia, bring me back results for whatever you're searching for. Um, so in an unbranded environment, how do brands, OTAs, as well as the travel brands survive? So it's a very interesting next few years as the voice search becomes a big thing. So this is our uh, executive editor, Dennis Shaw's favorite trend, uh, because it has to do with tours and activities, what it seems travel tech has been talking about for the last 10 years. 
um, and not a great deal of things have panned out. Rafa and I have some opinions on it, but we're excited about this year because we're seeing big brands finally step up and understand the real problems. Uh, one of those real problems is consumers need to be in market and have things on demand. Um, and the, the gap between that need and the providers. So we're seeing um, Booking.com double down on it this year, uh, Google, Expedia, TripAdvisor. Uh, big announcement by Airbnb in November was all about trips and activities. Um, they completely made us re uh, what and how uh, uh, vacation rentals work. Um, will they do the same in tours and activities? We're not quite sure yet. Um, it's, it's a totally different market. But there are many, many smart people with very, very deep wallets that are focusing on this field um, that will start to connect the dots in ways that haven't been connected yet. The interesting thing is that the tours and activities, as a lot of you people know in the travel industry or if you work in the tours and activity space, is that the, the wiring of at this 20 years ago or 15 years ago when hotels were coming online, the, 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 the wiring that needs to happen in the tourist activity space is arguably of that scale, meaning them coming online in the first place so that there's real-time availability of these tours and activities. So we think that the tech is there at this point, whether from a data perspective, analytics perspective, whether from mobile booking perspective or email marketing, all the things that need to happen for these services to be viable, real-time, online, on-demand businesses, uh, I think are in place in many ways. What's also happening is that um, some of the, the reason why the, the older generation of online tours and activity startups failed, pretty much all of them except for Viator, and Viator, I guess, was pre-web, right? In many ways, or has been around for a long, long, long time. Um, anyway, the, the reason why they failed is a lot of them were based on the premise that people will pre-book tours and activities, which historically has never been what the traveler behavior is, which is essentially in-market behavior. Um, with mobile becoming a reality, with on-demand becoming a reality in a larger sense, not just in travel, um, and tours and activities coming into mobile, the, the merging of the old-school traveler behavior with on-demand tours is now reality, which is why we think it's the right time at the right place for tours and activities to become breakout. Uh, also, the, 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 the other secret is that the margins in all other sectors of travel are squeezing, hence, you know, another sector that comes online, especially for the OTAs. So... Um, this is one of my favorite trends. Um, I'm about 10 years away from this. Um, <laughs> eight years away, sorry, eight years away. <laughs> to be true. So 50 plus travelers making choices. So a lot of people for the last you know, five, seven years have been talking about millennials. People have been talking about boomers for years and years. We think that this is the general, we're not coining a term for it. Um, this is the 50 to 60 generation. We're just gonna keep calling it that. 50 to 60 generation that, um, are tired of the cliches of uh, sort of the, uh, the AARP generation of travel, which is package travel cliches, the genteel travel. And um, we think that there's this time that the travel brands relook really at this generation. There are a bunch of demographic things that are happening that, that, that make this decade very interesting. Um, obviously, people are marrying a lot later in life. As, uh, 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 people are having kids a lot later in life. Medical advances have made sure that people in the 50s are actually a lot more active than they have historically. And um, a lot of these people have younger kids or teens that are obviously very tech savvy that this generation then learns from and adopts. And so um, in many ways, 
uh, we think that these larger demographic changes that are happening and these uh, comes to bear on this generation such that they're not the cliche that you uh, that used to be historically. If you ask Airbnb, the people in 50 to 60 generation are actually the fastest growing hosts for um, um, for them, as well as people using it as well. So um, we think it's a very interesting um, sector to look at, not sector, age, age, age to look at. I'd say the other key to understanding the, the 50s is also that they are a group of people who are much further along in their careers. Um, they are much more financially secure. Um, they are not doing piecemeal work. They are not Uber drivers necessarily. Uh, they might have a retirement, 401k, might even have a pension. Um, and so they can make decisions about their spending a little differently. The other interesting thing about it is like for, for marketers, the challenge is not knowing, it isn't just not knowing which buttons to push, but when to push them. Because this traveler is traveling with multi-generational trips sometimes, guys weekend, girls weekend trips other times, baby moons at other times. Um, so it's trying to figure out when to reach this traveler um, for the certain type of trip they want to take at that point. There was a survey uh, from, um, I think, Wonderman or maybe Edelman uh, did a survey last year on the 50-plus generation. And uh, they asked the people and their habits and travel. And um, women 50-plus uh, primarily liked to, like to travel alone or with their friends and their husbands would like to travel with their wives. So it's interesting, uh, lots of interesting <laughs> challenges. That, that was a poll done of our two wives. Um, so we, we've been talking um, about poor tourism planning and destinations for a few years now, but kind of what, things make, what makes things different in 2017 is it's finally kind of crossing over into uh, consumer and popular culture, this idea of a destination that's too popular. You know, um, I love hamburgers, but I can't have a hamburger all the time. Too many people coming to the destination is not, is not good all the time. Uh, too much of a good thing. We sent a reporter to Iceland this summer for a week and a half um, where he just dove in with all of the tour buses going around an island of how many, how many hundred thousand people? Uh, 300,000 people welcomed two and a half million visitors. Three million. Three million visitors last year. Um, we had the tourism minister of Iceland at our, at our um, forum this year, and she said, well, we wouldn't, I wouldn't say we have a crazy problem at the moment, it's, but it's not just about bringing tourists, it's about being sustainable as well. And I think that's a, a new realization within um, with popular culture that um, you can have too much. We've seen it in Venice, we're seeing it in Barcelona, where the, they're making real, real um, uh, kind of um, challenging decisions about limiting uh, influx of people into the city. Um, we're also seeing, though, cities react in creative ways. Um, New York has been very smart over the last few years trying to push people into, into boroughs, into different neighborhoods that they wouldn't otherwise be Except in. Except Williamsburg is now completely run over. Except then you have the problem in other neighborhoods as well. Um, and so um, what was one of the interesting things after sending our reporter to Iceland this summer, uh, we've watched a trickle of very similar stories over the last four months. Everybody cuts the Associated Press or the New York Times or the, the, the news hour on PBS, kind of telling the same story, and that's been fascinating to us. One of the interesting, we went to, um, Skift went to Medellin in Colombia 2015 in the summer, 
And it's it's a city that if you haven't been, one you should go. It's an amazing place to be, to go. Um, it's it, it obviously in back in the 90s was one of the most violent cities, was the most violent city in the world, and has essentially come from there to now one of the hotspots in the world. And their strategy, we went and met the deputy mayor uh, there when we were there and, um, as a as a team. And one of the things that they talked about is their biggest push was essentially how to make the life of locals in the city better first and focus on that. As a result, if it becomes a global tourism hotspot, which it has become over the last two, three, four years, um, that's a great added bonus. So essentially caring for locals first over tourists has worked for many cities like Medellin. So I think two years ago we had local carriers are eating the world as one of our trends. Um, this year we're really looking at how they're just focusing on the Atlantic. Um, they're done eating all the other parts. Well, what's radical about the Atlantic is, you know, uh, three, four, five years ago, I don't think an airline executive would have said, yeah, people want to sit on a plane for six hours and have to pay for water. Um, we've figured out that people are very happy to pay for water on an eight-hour flight or a six-hour flight as long as they're paying only $80 each way. Um, the, the unbundling that has happened among all airlines, uh, major carriers, has prepared consumers to pay as little. Um, and so consumers are used to now paying um, to unbundle everything. So what we're seeing mixed with that is the technology, the Dreamliner, the 787, uh, that came out uh, about two years ago. Uh, we have the 737 um, uh, Boeing Supermax that other airlines Jason, really like. Jason, would you be able to tell the difference of it if it's in front of you? You're right. Well, no, yeah, one's bigger than the other. Um, uh, but they're making, they're making long haul economical um, because the cost of fuel is so much lower on these planes to operate. So Norwegian Air, for instance, can shove a bunch of seats onto a plane and fly you from San Francisco to London Gatwick uh, for... $110 each way. It's crazy. Um, the, here's the great part from, from a consumer perspective. It's actually 2017 is going to be a great year from a pricing perspective in all possible ways, both in terms of airlines, hotels, Airbnb, all the other parts. Obviously, the dollar is very strong, so it's a great time for us to travel outside of the U.S., uh, except people coming into U.S., which may change completely. So um, the, essentially, I think long-haul, low-cost is where all the action is in the airline industry in so many ways. And um, I know Lufthansa is focusing quite big on it. KLM, um, Air France is as well. Delta has said they may launch transatlantic low cost or some version of it as well. I think beyond just the transatlantic, which is the most profitable route for airlines anywhere in the world, um, South America from then hop from Europe to other parts of Asia, Asia X, if some of you remember in the airline industry, used to be there. Um, I think they're making a comeback, or they're at least talking about making a comeback. This is the low cost from different parts of Southeast Asia to Europe. So um, it's a fascinating time in the, in the airline industry, and watch out for low cost. So um, nobody really wants to sit in a windowless ballroom for three hours and watch somebody do a PowerPoint, um, which is why we're, what we, used, we used Keynote and there are windows there. Um, no, really, you know, I think, I think most of us realize that traditional meetings are relatively boring. Um, and so what, um, what organizations are doing is that they're realizing we have to mix it up. They're taking the cue from things like South by Southwest, which is bringing all sorts of things together 
seeing and just seeing what happens when people get together, or even something like TED, where it's just bringing a bunch of ideas together and seeing what happens um, to make a more uh, immersive um, uh, experience where people are able to um, meet and connect with one another, um, which they can't do, which they can't do virtually, but they can do in the real world because of this event. We're seeing things like C2 that happens in Montreal, where you're not quite sure if it's a Cirque du Soleil event or if Cirque du Soleil is investor, yeah, or if it, or if it's a or if it's a presentation by a business leader. But the idea is you get a bunch of great minds in the same room, whether it's on media or creative or science or art, um, and you get them in an an environment where they can make connections and collaborate, and then you kind of hit blend and you see what happens. Before we move on, I do want to thank Four Seasons for sponsoring this, this mega trend. Uh, Four Seasons is definitely focused on creating luxury immersive experiences for the meetings professionals. So um, uh, we talked about seven trends, by the way, we're, we're still, we're running about 10 minutes late, but that's fine. Um, we have two more two more mega trends left. We, we're showing nine. There are fifteen in the magazine, so you can read at leisure. Um, the the seven trends we talked about were directly in the travel industry. The next two mega trends are a concentric circle outside of travel that we think have a, have a big effect in the travel industry. Uh, this is one of my favorite mega trends. I've been talking about lean luxury for the last year. They've, they're tired of hearing about it. Um, so, essentially. Luxury historically in retail used to be about opulence. And the rise of lean luxury says that it's not about opulence anymore. It's these independent human scale retail brands. In many cases, they don't actually, in, all, in almost all of the cases, they don't really have a physical location or retail store. And um, in, uh, these, these brands focus very much on the primacy of the individual consumer. In fact, they bring the consumer story uh, in big ways into their own story as well. Um, examples would be, I think I mentioned some of the examples there, Houdinki in watches, if anybody is a, is a watch fanatic would know Houdinki away in the luggage industry that's uh, come out in a big way over the last year. Um, Harry's in the shaving um, sector, the Dollar Shave Club is on the lower end, Harry's is slightly on the, on the higher end, Everlane in clothes, in men's clothing, I don't know how many of you know Everlane, but, um, but they certainly are, are a big company now. Um, what's interesting and, and distinct about these brands of companies is that, and I'm, it's the second bullet here, they're limited but not exclusive. Premium but not just expensive. A statement of shared values rather than elitist. Um, and they also adhere to what we have these five different points, which essentially they talk a lot about their provenance. Um, they, talk, they have a sense of community in so many ways. They have a sense of craftsmanship about them. And actually, the craftsmanship shows. If, you, if any of you have bought um, Casper's mattress, the craftsmanship of the mattress shows. Um, and then they have a narrative. They're big into storytelling in so many ways. And they also have a sense of local pride. And so uh, these types of brands, we think, are the next generation of the luxury brands that a generation that um, has essentially shun some of the opulent luxury brands are moving towards this. We think that the people that gravitate towards these, the younger generation primarily are navigating their life through a lens of travel, food, and retail. And so we think this is a very interesting um, sector to watch and has a lot of effects in travel as well. Uh, an example which kind of encapsulates all of that is, is Shinola, um, their store. I, I spend half my time in Palo Alto now, and their store in Palo Alto has everything from $900 leather backpacks 
to bicycles to jewelry. Um, and even if you buy just a simple $14.99 notebook, body might have bought for for Christmas, um, you can have it, they have a letterpress in the store where one of the employees will say, oh, can we just put your initials on this for you? And so it's highly personalized, it's part of a story, and it thinks of luxury in different ways. So the last megatrend we're going to talk about also is one concentric circle outside of travel, but actually very much in travel. Uh, Jason, you're talking about it. Yes, I am. You know, last year we had um, a megatrend mega trend called the Bourdain Effect. Um, and we really want to talk about food every year because we really like food. Um, but but we're, we're really serious about this in the sense of um, restaurants becoming the main event, a way to peg your trip, uh, a way to focus, uh, a way to focus your travels. Um, it's not so much anymore. Somebody goes to a destination and you look for the sandwich board outside that has the daily specials in English. You know, if you know the great comparison is all the British people showing up in in Greek, and there's fish and chips every every single place. We're not really living in that world um, uh, with restaurants and travel anymore. Uh, we're seeing innovations in restaurants, and they're becoming destinations in and of themselves. Technology is helping them do this, um, whether through um, uh, discovery via mobile devices, largely uh, people sharing on platforms such as Instagram, so that you know what a place looks like before you come in there, and then. The the place themselves, the place itself, is already set up, knowing that their guests are going to be taking photographs and sharing, and then they enable um, people to be able to do that easier. Whether it's having Wi-Fi installed so that uh, people from around the world can sign on easily and then send a great picture of their dessert. So one of the lines we use in this megatron, if you read it, is restaurants. Uh, sorry, eating, dining out is now the new rock and roll. Essentially the main event of your going out, not just for travelers, but for locals in the cities as well. Um, Jason was mentioning this optimizing the restaurants for social sharing. And restaurant design in many ways is going through a renaissance in all possible ways. They're open spaces, well-lit compared to what historically used to be. Um, menu design is becoming a very important part, primarily because, well, the menus in general are becoming simpler at restaurants. One of the main reasons is they look better in social media on Instagram. A lot of restaurants are thinking about tiles in their restaurants or the table backdrops because obviously people take photos of those. So that's becoming a big part of how restaurants get designed. So um, it's a fascinating time to be in the restaurant world. Um, also, there are startups like Resi. Resi just got a big investment from Airbnb. I don't know how many of you read. Uh, and then preserve, which are blurring the lines between discovery, booking, as well as enhancing the in-dining experience. So, um, in fact, our chef's tech acquisition and expansion beyond uh, travel into food is predicated in many ways in dining becoming the center of people going out. So that's it. Uh, this was our presentation. Thank you for listening. Now that megatrends are in the past, another live event is coming up soon. We're holding our first ever Skift Global Forum Europe on April 4th in London. Find out about this and other events at forum.skift.com. This show was produced by Ben Glowey, who can be found on Twitter at visible underscore sound. Assistant editor Sarah Enlow provided additional support. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. 
past episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. And this has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening.